Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Russ Terry, founder and CEO of Life Coach Radio Network. Today's sponsor is Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and information. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Get a free audiobook when you sign up for a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash lifecoachradio. That's audibletrial.com slash lifecoachradio. And now, here's today's show. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the show called Courage to Climb with my special guest, Sherry Shoemaker. And Sherry, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Um, I'm Sherissa Sebastian, a coach, speaker, writer, and co-owner of Stop, Smile, Breathe Women's Retreats. I'm a certified life and leadership coach for women, and I hold my certification through the International Coaching Federation. My passion is helping women break free from being stuck, overwhelmed, and stressed, mainly in their professional lives and in the area of life balance, to live a life of passion, purpose, joy, and fulfillment. You can find out more information on me and what I do on my website at sharissasebastian.com. I'd like to invite our listeners to call in with any comments or questions as we go through the show. The number to call is 646-716-9397. Again, that number is 646-716-9397. So let's get into today's discussion, sponsored by Audible.com. We'll be discussing the book, Courage to Climb, by my guest, Sherry Shoemaker. Sherry, am I pronouncing your last name correctly? Yes, you are, Shoemaker. I tell everybody it's Shoemaker, like Shoemaker and the Elves. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, good. I'm glad I got that right. You got that right. Perfect. Um, And she's a certified life coach and author, a motivational speaker, and also the owner of Voice of Assurance Life Coaching. Sherry, welcome. Would you like to take a moment to introduce yourself and tell our listeners more about you? Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for having me this evening. Yeah, I am a, a life coach that um, through uh, the Coaches Training Institute, I'm a certified life coach for from the International Coaches Federation. And what I like to do is I work mostly with women uh, and help them climb find the courage to climb out of their comfort zone and create change. Um, I'm also an author of Courage to Climb, 12 Women Surmount the Impossible, which I'll be telling you about, and a motivational speaker um, to help women live their life confidently. Thank you so much, Sherry, and I'm so excited to have you on the show. I was just um, telling Sherry that I, her book is just phenomenal, and I honestly could not put it down once I started reading it. So I'm so excited to have the opportunity to share that with all of you and um, to kind of go behind the scenes a little bit on, the, on this book called um, Courage to Climb. So let's get right into it. So life throws a lot of curveballs, and how people respond to them often determines the sense of satisfaction um, with their lives. In Sherry's book, Courage to Climb, she takes the readers on a cathartic journey journey through the lives of 12 extraordinary women who faced seemingly insurmountable challenges and turned them into successes. So, Sherry, let's get right in here into this. And um, what I'd like to find out from you first is how did you get into this area of coaching and your passion for helping other women? 
Oh, that's really interesting. Thank you for, um, first of all, thank you for having me on your show. Um, And, yes, that question is very interesting. What happened was I was um, in transition. My husband had lost his job, and actually twice, uh, through restructuring with a company. And he had decided to start his own business and it was a faith-based business and normally my husband and I have moved around we've been married over 30 some years and we usually do things jointly as many couples do and I think out of fear he decided that he wanted to take on this franchise that was a faith-based franchise and I just really got upset with him because he made the decision unilaterally And one day I was outside, and I was also partially menopausal, and I was outside on the patio crying my eyes out. And what came to me was, oh, my gosh, I actually have a choice. I don't have to be somebody's mother. I don't have to be somebody's wife. I don't have to be somebody's daughter. I could do what I want to do. And I decided I'm going back to school. So it was because of him deciding unilaterally that he wanted to start this business, which is doing very well, this franchise, uh, I decided to go into life coaching, which was a big step for me at that time because we were at the point we had run through a lot of our money. And I just, I after investigating a lot of uh, master's programs, excuse me, which I realized I couldn't afford at that time. I would have had to take out a loan. I decided I'm going to try life coaching, and I gave it a try. I had two sessions, fell in love with it, and decided to sign up for the Coaches Training Institute, but it meant commuting into New York City. Well, what happened was all of a sudden we received a check in the mail, and because I was trying to decide how I was going to pay this, installment plans or whatever, I received a check in the mail, and here, two of our insurance programs, our insurances merged, and I received a compensation check for the exact amount of my tuition for coaching, for coaching and the certification. And I thought to myself, oh, my gosh, this is meant to be. This is my God-given purpose of what I am to do in life. But it meant stepping outside of my comfort zone and traveling into New York City. And for some people, it's no big deal. But for me, I've only gone into New York on the train and met somebody and took the subway and everything. But I had to be put my big girl pants on and do it myself. And I did it. And, I, you know, I went into the city twice a month and then went through, um, that was for six months, and then went through my certification Wow, what an incredible story. First of all, congratulations on taking that big leap of faith because I know it's not it's not an easy journey and it's not the, the kind of the easy route to take to follow your intuition. But then to have that almost validated uh, by getting that check in that amount is just absolutely incredible and so inspiring. So thank you for sharing that. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. So how did you, I'm just curious about the, the coaching. Um, how did you first get interested in coaching? Was it as a result of that first session that you had, the coaching session, or was it prior to that? 
No, it was um, the the sessions that I had. I wanted to help people. I come from an educator. I have a background in education, and I also have a background in nonprofit. After moving around a lot, I had to reinvent myself. I did a lot of volunteer work, and I had wanted to do something to pay it forward. But in the nonprofit field uh, at the time where I moved to in Bucks County, Pennsylvania, uh, a lot of the nonprofits that I went to, um, their resources were low as far as hiring people, and they wanted you to volunteer. I wanted to do something that I got paid, but I, but I didn't want to just do something. I wanted to do something that I had passion for. Helping women I had passion for because I realized not only from my own situation within my life, um, just seeing other women that women didn't realize that they actually had a choice. It was like they were kind of pegged in through and this is what they had to do and uh they didn't just they didn't know that they could color outside of the lines. And I after going through coaching, I realized, "Oh my gosh, I've got the best thing since sliced bread. How am I going to get this out there?" And I decided um, after talking to my mentor coach that he, well, I didn't decide. He said to me, why don't you write a book? And I started laughing and I felt nauseous. I said, I can't write a book. I'm not a writer. And he said, you can write a book. Well, for two years, this kind of went through my head, like, why don't you write a book? And so I decided, I figured it was divine intervention that I'm going to write this book. And it's stepping out of your comfort zone, having that courage, having that passion, and that perseverance that got me through to write this book because I wanted to make an impact on women who are in these situations where normally they would be victims in the situation, whether it be uh, overcoming professional barriers or living with uh, an abusive spouse or living with an addict or somebody who has mental illness or um, even just stepping out of your comfort zone and helping people when you see the need to be there, whether it's an accident or something like that along that line. Uh, I, um, I wanted to let people know that other people did it, and you know what? If they can do it, you can do it. You're not alone. We're better when we're together. What a powerful message. Yeah, I can I can see how even your own journey has had so much, like such a big part to play in leading you into this journey of writing the book. And then, of course, to be able to elevate and shine a light on these ladies' stories, uh, it's just so incredible um, that when you even had the, the idea, when the original idea of a, writing a book um, came to you, it wasn't so much about you, but it's I love the fact that you wanted to then go and even use that book to shine a light on the stories of other people. So that that's really very inspirational. So how did the idea of the book uh come into you know come into your mind? I know a lot of times when we think about writing a book, it often starts with our own story. And I know of course your story is also part of it, but how did this idea of um having other women's stories uh be part of the book come into your mind? I I had as I said I had decided to write this book. However, um, I wanted to go get other women's stories 
and present them, whether they be aliases or their true name, uh, and interview them to see what they had to say. I knew some people who had some really interesting stories, uh, some people that I was friends with, and so I started with them, and they told me their story. But then I also went out to networking groups and said, hey, I'm writing a book. Uh, This is what it's about. Would you like to be in my book? Are you interested? Let me hear some of your story, and I'll I'll tell you whether, you know, it's applicable. Well, people came out of the woodwork, people that I didn't even know, and they came and they wanted to share their stories so that others could hear it and they wanted to help others. And the funny thing is, is that they told me their story, and at that time I got their story, but then I was working with an editor slash writing coach down in Arizona. And she would I she would come back to me and she'd say, I need more information, Sherry. You know, explain this a little bit more. And I have to go back to them. Well then more of the story would come out. Stuff that they didn't tell me originally. And unbelievable some of their stories. Every time I went and met with these women and recorded their stories, I was sitting and I was crying because the stories were just so moving. And I couldn't, and some of the people I knew, and I didn't know their whole story. And it was just so inspirational because they are women now that have their own businesses and uh, are pillars in society. I, you know, the one story, uh, Thomasine Landis, who lived with a husband who she married and just worshipped him and and found out later on, because you don't really see things when you first get married because it's bliss, that her husband was an alcoholic and a gambler and ended up, to make the long story short, took a lot of her money and she ended up having a nervous breakdown. And as you read through the story, you can find out how she, what she went through, how she got herself up in the, it was Christmas Eve, and just with her jacket, her pajama bottoms and whatever, after he had taken all her money um, and she was actually raped, by her husband one night she had taken Ambien and found herself completely naked the next morning and that's after that she had the nervous breakdown um, laughed with just the clothes on her back takes a lot of guts to do that that's absolutely incredible yeah that's one of the things that stood out to me from the stories and actually one of the questions that came to mind as I was reading was just you know there's so much incredible pain and there's such a high level of vulnerability that these ladies needed to have in order to share their stories and I was curious about how you went about selecting these uh, these ladies because it seems like you know with everything that they had been through there's so much uh, so many stories in here about various levels of just um, you know there's abuse like physical abuse sexual abuse incredible losses terminal illness I mean there's just so much that these ladies have shared through their stories and I was curious about how you went about 
finding these ladies. And the fact that you mentioned that, um, you know, you went to networking groups and that's how some of these ladies had come to you and then also people that you knew just blows my mind because it makes me <laughs> think about the fact that when we go through everyday life, um, you know, there's so many people that have so many different stories that we, we don't even know. I mean, at these networking events or just walking down the street or at the grocery store, it's not necessarily people that you sought out um, that have these exceptionally, you know, really traumatic life events, but it's like everyday people that have come forward and said, I'm willing to share. So that's really, really incredible to me. Um, is there any other way in, that some of these ladies had come to you, um, Sherry, or some of these stories have come to you? You mentioned the networking groups and through people that you that you know. How did you find, you know, all 12 of them? Was it just through those two, through just those through, two ways? Just, it, yeah, it was just through um, – one, some of them were at meetings uh, at the National Speakers Association meeting in Philadelphia. I met a lady, um, Nancy Venner. Uh, she was the person who, in the story, had um, she had her own personal standards, and you know what's right is right, and what's wrong is wrong, and. She would go out, and I mean, if somebody, if she saw somebody get robbed in the center of Philadelphia, which is a really, it, certain areas of Philadelphia is really bad, and while she was going to college, and I'm not going to mention the school, but uh, there were robberies and things, and she would see these, and she'd go chasing after these people, not worrying that she might get killed, going into the slums, like that kind of thing. I had, I didn't know this person. Um, when I first met her, I just met her, and we met one night at Starbucks and had a coffee, and I recorded her story. Like I said, these people just came out of the woodwork, and it, um, and they were mostly either from meetings I was at or uh, networking groups, or it wasn't referrals or anything like that. But the, but you, what you were talking about is and I just thought of that everybody who you see whether you're at the grocery store or you're out shopping or whatever you're doing everybody has a story they right. may not share it and that was the point of this book that everybody has a story and there's a lot of shame that goes with some of their stories and for people to read this and realize that they're not alone and they don't have to be filled with shame and judgment that we as women go through so much and we're better together and talking about it and sharing it i mean this book brought some things out into the open for some of these women even or for other women i've gotten feedback from women that said I'm so glad that you wrote this book because it gave me the confidence to speak up. I didn't know that I could speak up. I didn't know that I had choices. Yeah, that's a powerful thing. And actually, Sherry, it looks like we have a caller um, that's been <clears throat> excuse me, uh, patiently waiting here. So let me uh, just click back over here to the caller, and then we'll get them on the air. So give me one second, and I will be right back. Okay, thank you. Hi there, this is Sharissa. You are live with us here on the show. And if you could please mute your your computer, make sure the volume is turned on. Let us know your name and where you're calling from and your comment or your question, please. This is a 215 area code. 
Hi, this is Phyllis Smith, and I know Sherry Shoemaker very well. She's actually a guest on my show in Philadelphia. <laughs> oh, hey. Hi, Hi Phyllis. <laughs> and I thought I would call in because I wanted to tell you how wonderful Sherry is and how she's helped many women in her area, and her book is fabulous. Thank you, Phyllis. Thank you so much for calling in. Well, it's the first time I've actually heard you talk on the show. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm normally talking on your show. (laughs) But, you know, it's fascinating, you know, because I agree that so many women have so many challenges. I run a professional women's business network as well, and Sherry has been one of my chapter leaders in the past. And, um, you know, some women are just afraid to talk about it or to get help. And it's so wrong because they do need the help, you know. And um, it's just great that, you know, people like yourselves, both of you, reach out and help these women. Sometimes they're just lost and you don't know where to go. It's true. It's true. And, I mean, you know that from running the women's groups and also from running the the radio show, um, people don't know where to go. And they don't even realize what they need. Uh, And by the media venues or book venues or even just talking at women's groups and things like that, like just planting that little seed and they can take what they like and leave the rest, and maybe later on it'll click for some reason? Yeah, absolutely. I think that they need to, um, you know, it, it's it's very interesting because I think people are always afraid to stand out there and say they have a problem. And they're, they're so afraid to use their voice to do that. Everyone's hiding something because they're ashamed Exactly. Or they feel that someone will criticize them, or they don't think they're worthy of getting any help or attention. And it's it's terribly a shame. I think more women today, young women, are, don't have that fear, but older women do. Do you see I, that, uh, Sherry? I, I see older women, but I think a lot of younger women do too. Um, you know, you talk about the, you see in the news the abuse that's on the campuses, and the date rape and things along that line, there's a lot of shame that's associated with that. And and also uh, the bullying and people, they just don't want to talk about it. And, and the abuse, uh, whether it be physical abuse, sexual abuse, that kind of thing, they don't say anything until sometimes it's too late. They don't want to make waves or they think, oh, I'm, you know, they're just too ashamed to go up and go talk to somebody about it. Now, it's getting better because the media has brought it out into the open, and and it's an okay thing to do to go tell somebody that you're being abused, uh, whereas before, nobody talked about it at all. Well, I think that, uh, I don't know if you saw the Academy Awards, but Lady Gaga, who also was a victim of sexual abuse, Uh, did a whole song about it with the Academy Awards. And she came out, and she brought all these people on stage that did that. And I believe that when you have a celebrity that brings the attention to something like that, it becomes acknowledged by younger people. 
older people were raised in a certain sense, and I'm one of those people, that you kept your business to yourself. Oh, exactly. You, you didn't, you know, you didn't put your stuff out in the trash with everyone else. So um, it, it it does become, a, a, you know, a real problem. That's why there's so much depression in this country. There's so many women on drugs. You know, they're it, taking exactly. depression drugs. But really, it's all about appearance. I mean, you look at people, and they're all very well put together. I mean, I mean, I'm a prime example. People did not know what was going on in my household. And, I, I mean, I made everything look like everything was okay. I mean, we had the, the two dogs, the two kids, the, you know, nice cars, nice houses, nice vacations and stuff like that. But people didn't realize that that I was living with an alcoholic and going through what I was going through. And, and the you know, it, it's not the abuse, but the codependency and trying to keep all the balls up in the air and and living that lifestyle. Nobody, nobody knew. Nobody knew that. And no, I think and I don't think I don't think you, that was something you wanted to go and shout to the world about because no. it is embarrassing, and you don't your children hear it. I mean, those people that have children today. And and I have children. I've gone through a, a, <laughs> let's put it this way. I lived through hell for many, many years. And it wasn't something I could go to anybody to talk to. I just right. decided, I just threw my husbands out. I had a couple of them. I just threw them out. I mean, <laughs> but I'm one of those people. I can do that. I have my own income. Do that. Many women can't do that. They can't. They exactly. rely on that extra income. And they're afraid to break up the house. Well, you know what? So, you know, you're killing yourself slowly by staying in a relationship like that and I don't know, it's more than that. There's women going through bad diseases, and, and they have to deal with that, and there's nobody there to support them through it. It's, exactly. like, incredible. Maybe they're with a, a – They could. it doesn't mean it's a, a male spouse. It could be a female. Who knows? You know, you, I mean, gender doesn't matter anymore. The fact is, if you don't have that support system in place, what do you do? You're by yourself, right? You're by yourself, yeah. And even in the professional field, I have clients that come to me and – they're in a male-dominated field, and they're feeling judge, judged or shameful that, um, you know, when they stand up or they make a comment and it's not recognized by the group or they're criticized by the group. And they don't have to feel that way because they are just as, as equal as their peers, but for some reason – uh, they're they're criticized, they're shunned, and they don't want to say anything. So, therefore, they go through life thinking they're not good enough and they're not going to be able to get the advancement or or do this, and it affects their performance. Well, I don't have any bad stories for you this week because I'm actually in a, in a good space myself. But I thought I'd call in and say <laughs> hi. And um, I, I I love the um, lady that you're on the show with. I think she has an absolutely fabulous radio voice. And <laughs> and with that, I'm going to let you go back to your show. I enjoyed talking to both of you on the show. And um, and when I do come up with a problem, I'm sure, Sherry, I know your number, so I will call you. <laughs> you know where to find me, yes. I know Thanks where to find you. Thanks for calling in, Thank you. 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 Thank you.
so many valuable thoughts to really think about. Now I have a hundred more questions, so I think we might be on the show for another two hours, Sherry. Oh, <laughs> she's oh, right ahead. I'll have to put you on our show because Sherry's a guest on my show, and maybe the three of us can powwow together again. Hey, that's oh, that was great. Oh, I would love Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Actually, thank what you. Take Phyllis care. made me think about as well, and both of you, you know, talking about this, made me think about the fact that a lot of times – one way to kind of get out of that mindset of the, you know, focusing more on the shame and the guilt and all of that is to really, you know, when you have a platform, when you have the ability to share your story and you're able to go into that space of being vulnerable, like all of these ladies shared with you, Sherry, it really does help to heal, you know, heal that emotional, those emotional scars when you can think of it in terms of you having, the the fact that you went through that is not in vain and it's going to, your story and putting it out there is going to help somebody else. And I speak from my own experience with that, with my own story and going through that and just knowing that if I am able to get step into that space of vulnerability and share my story you know if if i know if at least one other person is helped as a result of me doing that then that's part of even my own healing process so sherry the fact that you gave these women a voice and gave them the opportunity to not only um, help other people but to actually heal through the you know through this whole process of being interviewed and then putting it out there is just incredible and i want to thank you um, so much for for doing that because it's it takes a lot of courage for someone like you to step up and say i'm going to kind of take the you know take the baton and run with this and uh, help these women have that voice because a lot of times um, as you know speaking with all of them from your own experience it can get so lonely and and frustrating and then there's all that guilt and that shame and you just get devalued the more you stay in those uh, abusive relationships or you know when you go through tough tough things and that shame and that guilt can really knock on your self-esteem and self-confidence and I know a lot of the work you do with your your clients is to really rebuild that and like you mentioned that's such a great example even in the the working world today women feel um, you know, they, they don't feel or they don't see the, the value in what they bring to the table, but they're so afraid to step up and have a voice. But the work that you do is so incredible because it really helps them to step out of that and helps them to see that they are valuable right where they are and everything, you know, that they've done or everything that they've experienced up to that point is not for nothing. It has a purpose in their own lives and in the lives of other people. Well, thank you. I agree with you. I agree with you. It, it It's... Uh... It does have a purpose, and people don't realize it, and it and it is a shame that they don't realize it. And so women out there, if you're listening, you know, you all have a purpose in life, and you all have the choice to stand in your magnificence and say what you need to say because you are equal. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And sometimes we do have to go through some really painful things. You know, we have some of us, or actually all of us, to some degree, have to go through a level of pain and, and discomfort in our lives. And, you know, when we're able to then use that to help other people, I mean, that's really where the where the magic happens. So hopefully this is an encouragement, just this conversation, and also Phyllis's input um, is an encouragement to the listeners out there to know that no matter what you've been through, how dark it's been, how difficult it's been, None of it is in vain. If you choose to do so and and be vulnerable and share to whatever extent makes you feel comfortable, it is going to help 
other people. I know I am incredibly inspired by some of these stories, even though I can't always relate um, to, you know, the stories in your book, um, Sherry, but there's elements of it that just really hit me. Um, and I, I don't know if I mentioned this earlier, but I literally could not put the book down. I read it in one sitting because it's that powerful. Every single person that's listening, everybody on this planet has a story that's going to be that moving to somebody else, at least one person. Yeah, I, thank you. Thank you. It's um, these stories. I, I want to go back to what you said before, which is um, the purpose of, I guess it's the purpose of going through what you have to go through. It's going through your crap and getting mm-hmm. out and going through the other side. There is a reason for that. Even though when you're going through it, you have no idea why you're going through these hardships that you're going through. But there is some type of reason, and I truly believe it's to help others down the road, whether you meet the lady in the grocery store or, you know, you're just talking at a meeting or at a lunch or something like that. If the conversation comes up that, that you have gone through something similar, and that's why I said we're, you know, we're better together. I mean, on the jacket of the book, it has women holding their hands together because as women we are. We are better when we share because so many times we are isolated and we think we're the only ones that are feeling this way. Well, you know, take a number because there's other women that are feeling the same way. Absolutely. And it's so powerful, like you said, to be able to reach out and get that support. Because really, I mean, we are both for connection. Um, that's just the way we're wired. And when we're able to step out of and it's scary, I know that, that can be so scary, especially when you're in those situations where you're just overcome by fear and shame and guilt. It can be just even the thought of it might just, you know, can really scare you. But really, if you're able to get to that place where you can reach out and take somebody else's hand and just be in that community or be with somebody else or share your story, it can really help you um, a great deal to kind of move through that. And you just never know who that, you know, how the next connection that you make is really going to, to help you and your family in that kind of situation, especially with, when there's kids involved. And I think, that, you know, with so many of these ladies um, that you interviewed, Sherry, there were, you know, there were, there were kids involved. And so that's a whole other dynamic, as you and Phyllis touched on as well. You know, it can be very scary when you have kids and there's all this guilt and shame. So, um, oh, exactly. Yeah, I know that's, mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, these women, these women left. Some of them had jobs. Some of them didn't. I mean, um, you know, the uh, the one story where um, Mary Rose left, and Mary Lo, it's chapter two. She left and was living at an orphanage. And that's where her and her child lived until she got herself back on her feet and she left her husband. Um, Mary Sheila was living in a refurbished chicken coop, uh, and that's where she lived and was going. She was on wick and going to the grocery store in the middle of the night because she was ashamed that she was on wick. I mean, this is something that happens. I mean, I don't want everybody to think that this book is about that because, you know, all about that, because there are stories here of women who have lost, like lost a child. 
uh, Sharon Snyder, uh, she created this great uh, non uh, foundation in honor of her son Kyle uh, for children for families whose children are affected by cancer. And she does a lot for these families. And her story is amazing, what she did. You know, because when you're going through a death, whether it's a death of a spouse, there's a story here. Um, Suzanne Richardson, uh, her story is about a death of a spouse, but Sharon Snyder's about a death of a child. And I, I can't imagine, that's one of the hardest things, I think, that people or families have to go through. And that she picked herself up out of the depression. And I look at it that these people had purpose. When they were down, they had a purpose to live, to move forward. And even even the women who, like Dawn Ryder, who has lupus, she had a purpose to get up and and face the day, even though she was in a lot of pain, she decided that I have a purpose and this is what I'm going to do. She she was fundraising for the Lupus Foundation and also like by doing teas or walks or whatever, despite the fact she never knew when her body was going to give out. So it's it's funny because people and I I even say this, older people, younger people, I mean, this is where the depression hits, when when people don't have a purpose and they just get up and they it's like robots, you know, they get up, they go to work, they come home, da-da-da-da-da, or, or they're retired and there's no purpose. The kids are gone, they're older. You have to have some kind of purpose. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm so glad you mentioned that, and that is so true because when we're when we're living in our purpose or when we find something that's bigger than ourselves then we find that will within us to keep going and i love that story that you just mentioned about um who is it that had lupus sherry what was her name uh john Ryder. yes so when when don you know had that or realized that she can use her you know where she is right now her journey to be able to help somebody else and even though she's going through so much to be able to still get up and help the Lupus Foundation and just have something that's bigger than herself that she's um, that she's working towards. I think that makes such a difference. So I'm glad you mentioned purpose because that is so much a part of being able to get up every day and move forward, whether your purpose is in your children or your you know or um, something to do with a, bi- a bigger cause. Whatever it is, when you find that purpose, you get strength. There's so much strength in getting in touch with your purpose. Oh, exactly, exactly. When, when you get when you get in touch with your purpose, whether it be through um, the work that you do, because it's not like working, um, or if it's something to help, like if if you have cancer or you have lupus, or or even if there is something at work, like Barbara Marte, um, who decided that uh, people who had neurological um, problems, uh, that they needed more uh, attention ver- because people would just kind of put them aside. They needed more attention, and she was attacked. Her her purpose was she was, a, she was after the insurance companies. Um, and, you know, it's as long as you have something, uh, life is palatable, 
and you can get to where you need to go if you have that purpose. But the biggest thing is is the strength and the determination and the perseverance because you can have a purpose, but you may say, okay, this week my purpose is yada, yada, yada. But it's having this long-term purpose of what you want to do and then having that strength and determination because what's going to happen is, like with Dawn Ryder, she had this type of lupus that was almost like ALS, like Luke Eric's disease. She never knew when her body was going to quit on her. So it was very easy for her to just say, well, I can't do this. I don't know whether I'm going to not be able to breathe today. Mm-hmm. She, she decided to move forward regardless of that. And that's the biggest thing in this story because a lot of these women decided that they were, they were going to make something of themselves despite their background, and mm-hmm. and they did, and they did. Uh, you know, even writing this book, which is really over the two-year period that I wrote this book, um, took me almost a year just to get the – the uh the the interviews and do the transcripts but then to write the book so many things happened it was almost comical but it was you know first of all my, i mean this wasn't coming you had all the good and bad stresses my son and daughter-in-law got married and it was a destination wedding so we had that and so that happened and then after i got back from that I was gardening, and which I don't know if everybody knows that gardening is a dangerous sport. I, I was outside, <laughs> and I tripped and fell, and all my weight fell on my wrist, and I broke my wrist, and I had a plate and screws. Can't can't write and type with a plate and screws. You know, one might mm-hmm. say, "Why are you still writing this book?" Is because I had this passion. To move forward, well, I'm not done yet because then after that, I, my mother, this was actually, my mother had uh, congestive heart failure and she was okay, So, but she lived an hour from me. So uh, that happened. Then three weeks before my book launch, I tripped over the dog and broke my arm. So during my book launch, you can see pictures of, my arm in a sling but two days before my book launch i broke a tooth i never broke a tooth ever 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 it was almost like the stuff that happened is just with trying to block me from getting this book out but Mm -hmm. like i said i you anticipate the obstacles you kind of go with the flow if things don't work right, then you switch your sails, you go in the other direction, and then you just keep moving forward. And it gets finished. Wow, that's an incredible journey. And that it sounds like you have more than enough for another book, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to be careful that I don't break anything when I start my next one. <laughs> or nobody what a great or nothing example happens. of what you were just talking about, about that level of passion and commitment and dedication. I mean, that purpose was so much bigger than you, and that was your driving force. And no matter what obstacles came in your way, clearly you were able to overcome them because you knew that it had a bigger purpose. Wow. That's exactly. incredible. <laughs> <laughs> so actually, I'm going to 
it's a couple of minutes, just switch gears on you, um, Sherry, and I want to take this opportunity to let our listeners know that the show on The Courage to Climb is happy to be sponsored by Audible.com. Audible is the leading provider of spoken digital audio entertainment and information, and they have more than 150,000 titles to choose from, and you can listen on any device. And if you sign up at our URL, audibletrial.com slash lifecoachradio, you can get one month of a free, or sorry, one free audiobook and a month free trial of the service. And we really appreciate your support. And so, before I we go back into the show, I'd like to invite um, any of our listeners to call in. Again, that number is six four six seven one six nine three nine seven six four six seven one six nine three nine seven. And we would love to hear from you. So, Sherry, what I'd like to um, ask you a little bit about now, you've shared some of this already, but I, I'm curious about the whole journey to actually writing the book. So you spoke a lot about how the idea came about and uh, speaking with these ladies, but I'm curious about the you know, the actual writing of the book and what was that like for you, that whole experience? Because I believe this is your first book. Is that right? Yes, this is my first book. And like I said, I'm not a writer. It, it was two years that I kind of, you know, had this – rolling around in my head and I finally decided okay this is what I'm going to do I wanted to get out these women's stories to help other women a mentor coach of mine had written a book previously and used an editor slash writing coach which I had mentioned was down in Arizona so I called her and as luck uh as lucky as luck came, I decided. Well, she had writ- she had written articles similar to these stories that I wrote, and she was really interested in helping me. So she said, "You write down like the story, the women's stories, and send me." the copy and then what we'll do is we'll send things back and forth well i i got up at 5 30 in the morning six o'clock and i would write for about 20 minutes sometimes longer and i from the transcripts that i had of these women's stories and i would send them off to her and then she would edit and she would add like questions can you clarify this or that or whatever and i would go back to my transcripts or i'd have to go back to the person that I was writing about and say, can you clarify this? And like I said, sometimes more stuff came out because I needed clarification, which they didn't tell me the first time, which is really interesting. And I just went ahead and and did this, and we just kept sending things back and forth. And when I couldn't write, it was like, okay, uh, what's the gift in this? Like when I couldn't write, it was I got to spend time, more more time with my family, um, more me time because I tend to be a do-do-do person rather than a be person, and it, it made me just be. So there's always, there's always a reason, and I learned this very <laughs> quickly by breaking so many different things and having so many ailments over the two years <laughs> of writing this book. Well, that's some really great insight, and that's a good point, too, that that creative process, I'm sure, required, um, you know, a certain level of just being um, that those unfortunate events uh, had, you know, gave you the opportunity to just 
to just be. So, yeah, I know sometimes those things happen to us. And like you said earlier, we, we can't always explain it in the moment, and it's not fun, and we just want to get through it. But sometimes there's something that's so much uh, bigger that comes that comes out of it. Um, and then when we're able to then look back at it, and I'm sure all of us can think of at least one time in our lives, one really difficult situation that we went through that at least one good thing came out of. And so, yeah, that's a great point that you that you made. So, um, Shay, I, I want to ask you about, because uh, I really want everyone that's listening to get their hands on this book. So what I'd like to ask you from, um, from an author's perspective is, what are some of the key takeaways that you'd like people to to you know, come, come away from reading the book um, with? So what would you like people to really take away from reading this book? From reading this book, I want them to realize that choice is everything. Like I said, I didn't know that I had a choice, that I could do whatever I set my mind to do, I mean, as long as it's legal, okay, (laughs) but um, that, that I didn't realize that, and if I wanted to run to New York City and take a class, um, and I had a purpose of what I wanted to do, I mean, people say, oh, I'm 50, I can't go back to school and get my master's, well, who said, who said so? Mm-hmm. Nobody said so. You, when you're 50, you can go back to school and get your master's degree, or or you can recreate yourself again. Um, it's just you have to have the motivation and the courage to be able to take those risks and step out of your comfort zone because and and get over the fear and have the faith that you can follow through with what you're planning on doing. Oh, I love that. You said that so beautifully. I really love the way you, you said that. The fact that, you know, choice is everything, and then the motivation and courage. And actually exactly what your intention was came through to me as a reader when I read the book, because that's really what I got out of it. I was so inspired by the motivation and, the well, the courage, you know, of these ladies that it really – inspired me to be more motivated in what's important to me and what I need to do. And it really does give you this kind of, it kind of, um, I don't know how to ex- describe this, but it's, it like un, um, uncovers that courage that we all have kind of deep inside. And when we see that in somebody else's story, it kind of makes us believe like, oh my goodness, they went through so much and had so much adversity that if they could do that, surely I can, you know, I can do what I need to do in my, in my situation. So that's, uh, that's really the power of this book and one of the, one of the big takeaways. So um, I'm actually going to ask a really tough question now, Sherry. Okay. Because <laughs> uh, I know, I, I think I know the answer to this, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you anyway. Which of these stories affected you the most? And I'm sure every single one of them affected you, you know, yeah, on a kind did. of a different level. Can you maybe pick one for us and then just talk a little bit about it and why it impacted you so much? There was, I mean, they all affected me. They all affected me the most. Uh, I mean, they all affected me a lot. Uh, like I said, every woman that I met and I heard her story, um, I I had such empathy for them and I cried. Uh, But I have to say there is one story, um, Suzanne Richardson, who talks about the, the ripple effect. And she says that 
her husband, even though, um, well, he, t- she, he talks about the ripple effect. And when you talk about the ripple effect, you, you think of like throwing stones into the lake. And if the lake is glassy, what happens is when you throw these stones, like a pebble into the lake, you'll see these ripples. And if you take a whole bunch of stones, like a handful of stones, rather than just a few stones, all the ripples mesh together. And what she says is that her her um, life is like the lake symbolizes, sorry, symbolizes our lives and that the stones are the people swimming in it. And we're all thrown into this big pond of life and we all affect each other on an everyday basis. And her husband had HIV before people knew what HIV was and he was a hemophiliac and so, but he was a type of person that was so good-hearted, and everybody loved him. And even to this day, like after he died, like she's remarried now, um, he had such a profound effect on the people that he met. And I just thought, you know what? This this is true. This is true that you know we're all bunched together, but. Like, you know, they always say pay it forward or or compliment somebody. Or if you see somebody and you're like, and and they look really nice and you don't know them, tell them. You might make their day. You have no idea what they went through that morning to get out to work or to the grocery store or something. They might have had a really horrible time. Or they might have had a really great day and you might have just, like, made it even better for them. It, 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 we all... We all have influence over one another. Even if it's just like a pay it forward, you know, let me buy that cup of coffee for you. Or, wow, you look great today. Uh, something along that line. And and be honest about it. Don't be fake about it. Just be honest about it. And it, it's a pay it forward. We We are all connected. Oh, yeah, that is so beautiful. Absolutely. And actually, one of the things that I wanted to uh, highlight, um, Cherie, from your book, it's actually at the end of that that very chapter that you were talking about, uh, Suzanne's story, uh, Chapter 7. And one of the things that I really love about your book, and I think one of the, the things, the way that it stands out, especially, you know, just as I was reading through, is the reflections at the end of it, each chapter. Yeah. So it gives the reader, the, you know, the the chance to kind of pause and let that story really sink in and have the the reader reflect on the takeaways and and how does it impact, you know, our lives as we're reading the story. And one of the things I loved about your reflection on that ripple effect, um, and this is at the end of Chapter 7, is you said, and while most of us are anxious to speed through the low points of our lives, the focus, according to Suzanne's example, shouldn't necessarily be to get more positive experiences. It should be to understand how our interconnectedness shapes and defines our lives. I thought that was so powerful, and that was one of the bigger takeaways of the book, just that statement. It really, you know, it just was such an eye-opener for me because a lot of times, you know, we hear these things and we hear the stories, but just to hear it said in, in that way, 
um, that it is, like we were talking about so much on this call already, that it's so much bigger than us. Um, it's just incredible. Um, and then the fact that these ladies have had the courage to step up and, and share that. And I'm sure they have no idea, just like each of us has no idea how we impact other people. Um, but it's just incredible to know that, uh, you know, that, that our lives could really um, have a huge impact on others without us even ever knowing it. Exactly. Exactly. We don't know. We don't know just a little smile or what we say or what we do or how we act, how it's going to affect the other person. And that's what I like so much about her book. And you were talking about the reflections part. I just wanted to uh, clear, make this clear. The reflections part at the end of each chapter even though the person has not gone through a similar situation, there's a theme throughout each chapter. And the reader themselves can do some personal development as they, if they go through and answer the questions. And those are really good questions. I love the way you tied that into the story. So it was really pertinent to the story, but also pulling out of us as a reader, how is it, you know, what are those, some of those similarities and what can we learn from it? And what are some of the... Um, you know, what are some of the things that we can kind of go deep with, uh, with that story to uncover how it can help us in our own lives, even though we may have completely different situations and, uh, and circumstances. So I think that was really well done. And that really, for me, set the book apart from just any other book with, with people's stories. Because that Thank really you. pulled it back into how does it impact me, and then how can I then go out and make a difference? And I love the way you just said that as well, like even a smile. And really we have the power to impact somebody else's life, even on a small scale, without realizing it. And it makes me think about those stories that we sometimes hear on the radio or on the news where, you know, somebody just smiled at someone or picked up something or held a door open or whatever, and that could literally save somebody's life. There have so, been so many cases of people who are on the verge of suicide where just those little acts made them pause and change their mind. So you just never know how the small things can impact. Exactly. Exactly. You never know. You never know. And so as we say this, it's like tomorrow I challenge people to go out. And if something comes up in your head and you think, wow, I really like that lady's sweater. Or, boy, he looks really good or she looks really good. And that is say it. Say to them, be afraid. Don't be scared. Just open your mouth and say something because you can change that person's life. You you never know. Absolutely. So speaking of which, um, Sherry, I, there's something that I wanted to ask you about um, that that was in the book as well. And you talk about um, Al-Anon, uh, sorry, Al-Anon and uh, yes, your faith Al-Anon. in the book as well and how it changed your life. So would you like to share with our readers, or not readers, but with our listeners, a little more about that part of your story? Yeah, Al-Anon um, is a group, is, is a group, a support group for families who are affected by the disease of alcoholism. Um, as I said in the story, um, I'm a recovering person Uh, a recovering codependent, and by that the term refers to people who are susceptible to being affected by another person's behavior and uh, while while focused on controlling that person's behavior. And by that I mean I used to, and I can find myself at times now, um, but Years ago, I would have all the balls up in the air. 
Um, I grew up in um, an alcoholic household, and so therefore, every time I came home, I never knew what I was walking into. So I had to be ready. I had to be ready for, well, are they going to be nice today or you know, or am I going to get yelled at, uh, you know, what, and I used to retreat to my room. So I decided what I could do is, you know what, I can't control any of my circumstances around me, So, but I can control, I can, I can control myself, but I can also, what happened was I controlled all the contingencies around me too. So I tried to keep all the balls up in the air. And then once I got married and I had kids, it got even worse. And so what happened was I just got to the point I couldn't keep all these balls up in the air anymore. I mean, I I figured, you know what, nobody else can do it right. I may as well do it myself. And I was a people pleaser. I kept taking on more and more because I felt people would like me if I if I didn't say no to things. So I would take on more and more and I would just get so stressed. And part of it was control because I thought I, I'm the only one that can do it the right way. Nobody else can do it the right way. And then once I found out that my husband um, had addiction issues, um, he had gone into program by the advice of our counselor because I had gone through therapy and I had gone into Al-Anon. And Al-Anon is a 12-step program, essentially the same as uh, Alcoholics Anonymous. But Al-Anon deals with the codependent. Um, we don't try to fix um, the the um, alcoholic. And um, it's a great program uh for people who are codependent and it's a spiritual program and like i said it's based on the 12 steps and i i fully believe everybody should have the 12 everybody should abide by the 12 steps because i use them you know i i use them throughout my life and the the program has changed me immensely over the years i've been in al-anon now for over 15 years Incredible. Well, thank you so much for sharing that part of your story. I know it's not always easy for us to, you know, to go there and uh, and share the the times in our lives that are not not always the most fun to share. But I love that you. There's so much that came out of that experience for you, and now you're able to then share that, like you just did, and to be able to help other people and just, um, you know, just do that by by your own story and what you what you've gone through. And I know many ladies, myself included, can relate to what you said about just the, you know, having so many balls to kind of juggle in the air and feeling like you have to take it on yourself and you have to please other people and do all of those things. So um, just the fact that you're sharing that gives gives all of us hope. Like you said earlier, you know, we're not alone. And the more we get out there and share our story, the more we realize that so many other people are going through the same thing. And organizations like Al-Anon, uh, where that bring people together around a common uh, challenge, can really help with that. Or it doesn't even have to be um, an Al-Anon, but some other groups. And there's always support. There's always people out there that are ready and willing to help. Exactly. But you have to ask for help. You have exactly. to ask for help and not expect people to be mind readers. I mean, that that I learned early on because I would expect that people people see me. Don't you see that I'm I've you know that 
that I'm taking care of all these kids and that I'm really tired and, you know, I, I'm working and I'm making dinner. Don't you see? Don't you see I need help? And unless I ask for help, you know, people are not mind readers. And, you know, I've learned, I've learned to ask for help. I've, I've learned to delegate. And I've learned to say no. No is a complete sentence. People, people don't, a lot of people do not know how to say no. Mm-hmm. And, and and that's what gets them into trouble sometimes. Exactly. And also learning the fact, uh, you know, learning the skill uh, or learning how to say no in a way that still feels right to you. There's absolutely a way to do that without you feeling like, you know, you're completely insensitive or whatever the case is. So, yeah, that's, a, that's exactly. such a great point. Exactly. Yeah. You've hit the nail on the head. Yes, exactly. So Sherry, I, I can't believe we're at the top of the hour already. We're actually a couple I know minutes it over. went so fast. <laughs> it did. And I feel like we could we could go on forever. But thank you so much again for your time. This has been so incredible, so inspirational to me, and I can only imagine um, you know, how much our listeners are going to take away from this. And again, I would highly, highly encourage our listeners to go and get your book, A Courage to Climb. Um, I will say it is a very easy read. So there's uh, 12, I believe, 12 total stories, uh, right, Sherry, in the book? Right, there's 12 stories, yes. 12 stories with the reflection um, at the end of every chapter, and it's very well written, very easy um, to get through and and to read, and very inspirational, just so much, um, so much great great stories and great content in this book. So I highly recommend uh, getting that. So Sherry, if you'd like to share with our listeners how they can um, get uh, their hands on this book and also anything else that you have going on. So what's next for you? What what can we keep an eye out um, as far as what you have going on next? Okay, thank you. Um, the book is available on Amazon. Uh, you can either buy the Kindle version or you can buy the hardback version uh, of the book uh, and download it. Um, I also have a coaching practice, uh, Voice of Assurance Life Coaching, and you can contact me either through voiceofassurance.com or you can reach me through, um, and I do a lot of my, I do a lot of my coaching sessions over the phone or via Skype um, at um, 973-283-5941. and I'd be happy to talk to you about coaching, um, see if you are a candidate for coaching because it does involve change. Uh, so if you are, please call me, get in touch with me. If you have related to anything within this book or um, anything else that you've heard, I'd be happy to talk to you. I'm also a motivational speaker. I speak on this book, Courage to Climb, and um, I'm willing to speak to women's groups about this. And uh, other than that, uh, that's about it. Uh, go to my website, and you'll find the information there, voiceofassurance.com. Thanks so much, Sherry. And I'd like to wrap up this radio show with uh, with the following quote. It's from Dr. Robert Anthony, and he says that the is courage is simply the willingness to be afraid and act anyway. So I want to thank you again, Sherry, and I want to thank all of the the ladies that um, you know were brave enough to come forward and share their stories in the book. They may or may not ever hear this show, but just you know the the 
I just got so much out of it, and I know that everyone that is able to read this book is going to get a, a ton out of it as well. So if anyone would Thank like you. to... Oh, no Can worries. I just say one more thing? Yes, um, I forgot something. I forgot something. Oh. I just wanted to mention also, because Phyllis was on, um, on the third Tuesday of every month, I am a lifestyle consultant for the Scoop radio show, which is 8.60 a.m. in Philadelphia. But if you go to um, WDBAM 860 online, you can listen to the podcast or you can listen to the radio show. It's actually on every Tuesday morning, but I am on the third Tuesday of the month. So that's another thing that I'm involved in. So thank you for letting me. I got to give the plug there. Oh no worries. Thanks for thanks so much for sharing and letting us know. I'll have to check that out. Well thank you. And thank you so much for everything and having me on this evening. It was a pleasure. Oh, thank you. No worries at all. So just to quickly wrap us up here, if anyone would like to reach me, you can contact me at info, that's I-N-F-O, at com, And my website is www.TerissaSebastian.com. All my social media links can be found on the website. And also one last thing, when you are on the page, the page that you um, that you loaded in order to listen to the radio show, there's also um, Sherry's information is on there as well as my own. So if you'd like to check out our website or find out more about what we do, that's on that page as well. So thank you again to Sherry. Thanks to Phyllis for calling in. And thanks to our listeners for, for listening into the show. Enjoy the rest of your week. Thanks so much. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs>